the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Promises to trust and live by. Next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Welcome to the broadcast. If you'll join us today, we're in Philippians chapter 4, looking at four great promises of God. We've spent time on the peace of God that has been promised to us. Also, the power, provision, and purpose. That's where we're headed over today's broadcast and our next program. So please stay with us for the next few minutes and be encouraged in God's grace. With this edition of Truth For Today, here's Pastor Phil Howard. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you've had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. It's interesting that it is a learning thing. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can... Do everything through him who gives me strength. I would understand this as God's promise of power versus discontentment. Contextually, when he said, I can do everything, does that mean you can fly? Is God ever going to enable you to fly? Don't try it. If you jump on something, get it low enough so it won't hurt you too bad. I can fly through Christ. Don't try it. Even a Superman suit won't make up for the difference in gravity. I can do this. I can do a lot of, I can walk on water. No, you can't. Well, Jesus said greater things, I know. But he wasn't talking about you walking on water. Well, what is the I can do all things? What, what can I do? It is, I think, right here qualified by the context. And the context is talking about economics, circumstances, having a lot, having nothing. And, you know, this is an insane seminar. Come to San Quentin and hear the Apostle Paul give you a lecture on contentment from cell block nine. Here the man's in prison when he writes this letter. I don't think it would be too great a motivational seminar to have to go to the prison cell to hear the guy give the lecture. But Paul writes his lecture down and sends it uh, to the Philippians. And he said, I can do everything. What do you mean I can do? What is that? I have learned a secret. I have learned something that circumstances and economics do not determine my contentment. Doesn't sound like an American message. 
where to be American is to be greedy and dissatisfied all the time. You always need something else. You always need a newer car. You always need a bigger house. There's always some, you need a, the latest iPod. You only can record 500 songs on the first. This new one, you could get 5,000 songs that will blow out your eardrums, they're saying. It's all these earphones are having great effects on people's ears. I need the latest computer. Do you? You don't know how to use the one you've got. But I need the latest. It's faster by at least 10 seconds. And I need my information now. Okay, on and on and on and on. To be discontented is to be American and to be human. For the eyes of man are never satisfied. And here Paul is saying, I have discovered a power, a power that makes me totally contented. In where I am in life, whether I have nothing or something, whether I'm in prison, whether I'm being promoted, I've learned a secret how to be content. Now, this is an interesting word, content. It's the word the Stoics use. And the Stoics uh, were taught as young boys to learn how to be unmoved by anything. Uh, They would start them young. They would kill their pet dog. Uh, that would do that by the time they're age 10. And a stoical boy would be taught, no tears are to be shed. Kill the dog in front of the boy to teach him to have no emotion. Nothing is to affect a stoic. It's a whole school of philosophy in Greece. And this is the key word they use, self-sufficient. Paul is saying, I am self-sufficient. Let me give you a little bit of a Greek lexicon definition to give you a handle. It means a perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. Sufficiency for the necessities of life. A mind contented with its allotment. Sufficient for oneself. Strong enough. Possessing enough for aid and support, independent of external circumstances. It's overwhelming. A sense of self-satisfaction, a sense of well-being. I have all that I really need. I'm not dependent on another human being for this contentment. I'm not dependent on economics for this contentment. I'm not dependent on any... I have become totally consumed in a self-satisfaction, self-sufficiency. And if you just left it there, it sounds like an egomaniac statement. But he qualifies. I've learned this. I've come to this state not to mind over matter or joining the stoical school of philosophy at Athens. I got this in verse 13. Where did you get this? I can do all things, this self-sufficiency, this contentment, this not dependency on others, dependency on something to make me feel good inside. If I had a better set of parents, if I had better kids, a better husband, a better wife, a bigger house, a better car. No, I don't have any of that, any of that. None of that messes with me. I've landed. I've got something that says... I'm in need of nothing that human beings can do for me, ultimately. Because worldliness is made up of two-thirds lust, wanting, 
wanting the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and then the pride over possessions, the vain pride of life. I look so good owning that. Worldliness is saying, God's not enough. I need what the world can give. But he said, no, no, no. I have found a strength that comes from Jesus Christ for what he has done. He is infusing. The word there is he is strengthening me. It literally has idea. He is infusing his strength in me. And in his strength, I have found full rest, full satisfaction. And I have found full contentment if I have his strength working in me. When he is not filling up the void, I want everything. Nothing makes me quite happy. I'm always dissatisfied. I'm always just out of sorts. I need this. I need that. Paul says, right here in this prison cell, I want to tell you, Philippians, I've learned to be content. I am self-sufficient because I have another strength being poured into me. I know something about infused strength. I think of our daughter, had the third pregnancy. We wanted to choke both she and Jason because she's booked for a back surgery. And all of a sudden, one day we get the call. Guess what? What? I'm pregnant. I said, well, get Jason over here and you so we can choke both of you. The last thing you need is a pregnancy. You can barely function with two children and a blown disc, two blown discs. How in the world are you going to carry a baby? Well, let me say this. She wouldn't have carried a baby if there wasn't something called infusion clinics. Carol and I would go visit her three times a week. And we would sit with her, as she said, in this chair at Vallejo Kaiser. And they infused her body three to four hours a day because she could not eat. She was in so much pain, they had to put a drip uh, to put the medications in her. Plus, they had to give her food because she would throw up anything because of the pain. And she made it on an infusion clinic. Six months. And then a baby born addicted to drugs because she had so many painkillers in her to make it to nine months with this boy. I thought it was amazing. I saw those drips going into her and those arms and that chair every day. Drip, drip drip. She was making it on the strength of what was in that container. And a nurse that knew how to put those needles in, she was taking nothing through the mouth. See, the strength of the medication, the strength of another system that avoided the stomach and the mouth, she was able to live. And we thank God doubly. The boy didn't die and we didn't lose our daughter. You cannot make it in this world Unless you discover this power, the power of an infused Christ who wants to infuse his strength in you so you don't need drugs anymore. His infused strength so you're not a slave. I see the girl that's been abused, the girl that's been called ugly and fat all of her life, and now she can become the local girl that sleeps with everybody because no one's ever affirmed her. Let me tell you, honey, when you come to Christ, he will infuse his strength in you so that you will be dependent on no one to give you your worth. You'll get your worth ultimately from his infused strength. 
He will affirm you like no one else will. He will put his strength in you so you don't have to throw your body on the trash heap of morals and walk away with whoever dares look at you. No, all of a sudden you say, I don't need a boyfriend. I don't need a girlfriend. I don't need a car. I don't need need anything but him and my deep sense of satisfaction. Can that ever be? I have landed in God and with his strength, there's nothing I crave in this world because I found a deep set of rest in my being. This is exactly what he said in Matthew 11. Come unto me, and in the Greek he says, I'll give you an anapazo, a deep settled down kind of rest. Come to me, you that are athirst, and you'll drink of water that will not leave you thirsty. Eat of this bread. The bread they ate in the wilderness left them hungry. The bread from heaven, it satisfies your hunger. This is the biggest advertisement there is for God. Have you found a God that satisfies? And the true and living God deeply satisfies the greatest hungers and appetites of the heart for meaning and purpose. Well, then he goes on to talk about something else. Verse 14. It was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Wouldn't you have loved to have said that you supported Paul's ministry? Boy, I wish I had that on my ledger. I supported him when nobody else did. Well, someone would say, well, man, he winds up in jail all the time. I don't want my money going to missionaries in jail. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering. An acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your greeds according to, no, no, all your needs. Does your list of needs agree with his? Or do you have any greed? But he will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I think the um, third promise we want to see that he says here is promise of God's provision. Here's a man that has received a love gift time and again from this church. The Philippians, Acts 16. Philippian jailer, Lydia, there. It kind of tells you Paul even had trouble getting prayer of financial support as a missionary. All these churches never supported him, but Philippi did, the Philippian church. And so here he's in prison, and he must finally close this letter by saying, by the way, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your offering. It's a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God. God's put it down in your ledger. And by the way, I can't pay you back. I don't have the money. I don't know about you. Have you ever received a gift? <laughs> that you knew you couldn't pay back. I was with a guy uh, this last week that was with me in the early days of this church. In the early days of this church, I used to tell everybody, never invite me to lunch unless you plan to pay. 
I don't have any money. Some of you never been there? I was. I ever tell them up front. Just know, I'm a deadbeat. I have no money. I have the gospel, and I'm preaching, but I don't have any money. So if you invite me to lunch, you better have enough for at least one lunch, and I get to eat it, because I'm going with you, because I have no money. I had a guy tell me the other day that used to give me a $100 bill every once in a while. He said, you don't always amaze me? I said, what's that? He said, every time you opened your wallet, there was no money in there when I gave it. I said, that's why God told you to give it to me. I was broke. No money. And, and you knew you couldn't pay it back. No matter what people did for you, that was nice. You, you just said, I, I can't pay you back. I, I don't have it. Well, here Paul is, and he says, uh, I, I can't pay you back for your great kindness to me, but I want to give you a divine promise that God's told me to write to you. Since you have shared with me in my need, and shared with me in getting the gospel out, God is telling me to tell you something. He's going to pick up everything I owe you, and he's going to give you a promissory note. He's going to give you Philippians 4.19. And I used to always put Philippians 4.19. I still have the sheets on the top of my monthly bill list when I started this church. And I called it God's checkbook for bankrupt Christians. And that was me. And I'd write down the date and everything. And I go, I just found that uh, manila folder here the other day with all those old sheets that I could mark off. Things as simple as a girl's dress for one of my children. Coat for my own. Real simple stuff. But I asked God. God supplied it. Someday I'll give them to my daughters to see how their dad took care of them when they were younger. 36 years, uh, the third, this last Wednesday, she and I drove to town, started this church in a dingy old dance hall. 36 years ago. I used to be young. But look what he says here. You have met one of my needs. God promises to meet all of yours. You have given out of what you possess. God is going to give to you according to what he possesses. Yours came to me through a human messenger called Epaphroditus. God's going to channel all of his resources to you through Jesus. You've given out of. God given according to. And I kind of looked up in the Bible. God has several accounts in the storehouse of heaven. He's got uh, Romans 2, 4, the riches of his goodness account. Write your check out of there. Romans eleven thirty three. he calls up the riches of his wisdom. Do you feel stupid? Well, he's got a wisdom account. You ought to ask him about it. He's rich in wisdom. And you and I just remain stupid so much. We're dumb sheep. He said, come on up here. I've got an account where I just write out wisdom. Do you need grace? Are you cutting it straight? You don't need any grace because you, you don't ever fail. Well, you're just lying. We all need grace. He said, I'm rich in grace. I'm rich in mercy. Come, I'll write your check. He said, you want glory? He said, I'm rich at it in Ephesians 3.16. And a beautiful thing he said, by the way, I'm so exceedingly rich in grace that Ephesians 2.7 says... In the ages to come, I want to keep unveiling to you all the riches I have just in my grace account. Age after age, I'm going to be showing you new vaults of how deep the wonderful riches of God's grace are. Guess where the bank address is for where all these riches come from? 
Philippians 4.19 gives you the bank address. My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Mechanics Bank. Where are they? Can't hear you. In who? Ah, you mean that's where you get them? That's right. This power you get in 4.13 through his strength. His strength is the Lord Jesus. His riches are found in Jesus Christ. You can't get God's grace any other way. Go through Moses, you won't ever get grace. Go through the Old Testament, you won't get his grace. You, it's, the bank is located in his son. You must come through Christ. He is the central meeting point of every bank account of heaven that dispenses grace and mercy. It's all located in Christ. You've got to come to Christ. And he said to you believers, let me say, he did not make this promise to a tight what believer. He didn't make this promise to those who hadn't shared. A lot of times I hear Christians quote Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. And they just say that. To who? To those who love the Lord. And he goes on and he said they were foreknown, predestined, called, justified, shall be glorified. It's to a certain kind of believer he makes the promise. It's not just blanket. And this great promise here, I must say to you, God makes a promise to all those who are partnering in underwriting the work of God, however that may be. He promises to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And of course, we love to make the distinction There's a big difference in supplying your need out of my riches, which is I can give you a $10 bill out of my riches, but it's not according to my riches. If I bless you according to my riches, that is an abundance. Who knows? And so God says, I want to bless you according to the riches I possess. Listen to these promises. You want peace instead of worry? Do what I tell you in Philippians 4, 6. Do you want the power that brings satisfaction and contentment? Let Christ infuse a strength in you. Do you want a guarantee that your needs will be met? Share while you have your resources. Share them with the work of God. Share them with the people of God. And God will make up the difference. For he who lends to a poor man, Proverbs says, the Lord will repay. And believe me, friend, he has no outstanding debts. God pays in full. I believe that about money. That's what made—I'm not a giver just because I like to give money away. I'm counting on God more than anybody else to prosper me. If he doesn't prosper you, do all the tricks you want to do in the market, I don't think you'll prosper. God can take it in a day. I'd rather have the blessing of God on a little than to have the curse of God on much. It's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, who will return in just a moment. Thank you for joining us here today on the program. It's our hope and prayer that our time together in God's Word has encouraged you, stimulated you and your walk with Christ. If you have questions or comments, maybe a prayer request, please take a moment and get a hold of us. You can reach us at 855-833-9864. 
Or visit truthfortodayradio.org and learn more about us. And now to share a bit more about us, once again, Pastor Phil Howard. I would like to uh, thank the radio audience and for the team that has helped to put on Truth For Today for all these years, over 27 years, a uh, dream and a vision was taken from Isaiah to sow God's Word that would not return void. And we had that desire, and we found different men in Valley Bible Church that stepped up with money, with time, with influence, and uh, we want to thank them for all these years. We're getting ready to phase out our Monday through Friday uh, program, but I didn't want us to close without saying thank you. Thank God uh, for Chuck Laudibaudier, who's been our producer, who's driven tapes in the olden days down to KFAX. Uh, he saw to it that we were on the air. I thank God for my brother David, who... Uh, always had the burden for me to do something, and him watch me die of exhaustion, but he would write the check. He's always been a man that would uh, try to finance it the best he could, and thank you for him. And many of you, that you've sent little or great gifts, and uh, we've never wanted to be a begging ministry. We have a great God. We don't have to beg. But we, after these 27 years— and uh, we feel like we've sown the word and say that you can actually live in the San Francisco Bay Area and hear God's word going out. And that's been our mission. That's been our dream. And God has enabled it for these 27 years. To God be the glory. May his word do what God determines. And I know that he will. Thank you for your patience, for your support, and God be praised in all that you've done. Thank you, Phil. Again, you can reach us, friend, at 855-833-9864 or truthfortodayradio.org. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.